do something else. You know, and other people that may connect with God uh, through, through nature, you know, just being outside and just allowing the Lord to minister to them. I, I don't think that there's necessarily a wrong way um, to do it because it's different for everybody. How I many you know it's important to not try to facilitate someone else's relationship with the Lord or even compare yourself with someone else, you know? Even me talking about being in the season of prayer, the enemy would try to take that and bring condemnation. Well, look at you. You haven't prayed in three weeks, you know, and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. You're in a different season. Just be at peace with that. Don't compare yourself with somebody else. But the bottom line is, is you need him. We need him. And we, we face battles that are stronger than ourselves. And we've got to draw strength from him however we can. Because if we're not drawing strength from him, how I many know that we can begin to... Uh, try to draw strength from each other to such a degree that, I mean, you know, that when you're empty and the person around you is empty and y'all are trying to draw strength from each other, I mean, you know, that's when arguments happen a lot of times. That's when strife happens because there you are, you're needing them and they're needing you and then next thing you know, you're both kind of maybe upset or angry or, or striving with each other and the reality is, is you both actually need the Lord and you need time with the Lord. And so... Um, we're going to take a look at John 15 and, and talk about just abiding in the vine. You know, um, you know we're, we're called uh, to be fruitful. That's a part of the mandate that God's placed upon the human race. And, you know, fruit looks different, flowing through different people. Um, fruitfulness looks different. But the one thing that we're all called to do is to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. And um, that, that's something that all of us are called to do. And that looks like love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, gentleness. That's the character of Jesus. And, um, and that's what's going to make your life better. You know, you may, you may be going through a time where you just don't feel happy, you know, or you, you feel sad, or you feel oppressed, or whatever. And what I want to encourage you is that your strength is actually from the Lord. There's a joy that comes from the Lord that won't come from circumstances or people or situations. And it comes from Him. Um, there's a happiness that comes from the Lord. There's a peace that comes from the Lord. And a lot of times, we'll be you know, maybe lagging low on happiness and joy and peace. And, and we think that when it's the situation or even the relationship that you're in, you know, or, or a person or a place or a situation. And really what it is, is, is we, we, we've lost a place of connection with the Lord, because we're going to take a look at it, it talks about it over and over again, is abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine. And that place of connection is really where your joy comes from, where your happiness comes from, where your peace comes from. And um, when we're trying to draw it from other things, that's when we get in trouble. You know, I've had seasons in my life where I was going through stressful seasons, and the way that I, I kind of medicated myself was just through food. And I just ate tons and tons and tons and tons of food because I was sad and I felt bad. And, and really, uh, you know, food is good in the proper context, but how I many you know food put in a position of trying to minister to you emotionally? How I many you know food is not a great emotional minister? You know, and, and so, um, although we use chocolate regularly to bribe Eli, so praise God. <laughs> uh, there is a, I mean, there's an element to it, but ultimately, how I many you know if you try to get food to 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 satisfy you emotionally, how I many you know food will fail you, and it'll bring you into a place of of being unhappy and unhealthy. How I many you know sleep's the same way? How I many you know sleep's good? How I many of you need sleep? Can I get an amen on sleep? I, I always jokingly say that my wife's love language right now is sleep. 
Like, the more I can allow her to sleep, the more that she feels loved. And so I do a lot because, you know, we have a lot going on. But um, so sleep's important, man. Sleep's very important. But how many know you can't sleep your way into happiness? You can't even sleep your way into restoring your strength. You ever went to sleep tired and woke up tired even though you slept a ton? See, what's happening there is you might actually be spiritually hungry and you're trying to satisfy it with food or you're trying to satisfy it with sleep um, or, or, or even intimacy, even into, you know, sexual intimacy. You know, the, the, all those things are wonderful and they're good, but ultimately they, they can't satisfy you and make you whole uh, the way the Lord can. Or, or entertainment. I think entertainment is something that we fall into a lot as Americans, man. Um, just in the Western world, you know, we're like, man, I'm sad. I need to watch something funny. And I'm all for watching something funny. And I'm all for, like I said, I'm going to watch football today. I'm all for entertainment. But I recognize that as I, as I watch the game or I watch the movie or I watch the show, it's doing something for me, like it's entertaining me. But at the end of the day, it's not actually filling up my cup. Come on, in my heart. My heart needs to be filled up with Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy. All these other things can't satisfy. And so as long as we're staying plugged into the Lord and drawing strength from Him, we can enjoy food, we can enjoy sleep, we can enjoy entertainment, we can enjoy sex um, in the context of marriage, and, and we can enjoy, amen, we can enjoy everything that this world has for us. It's completely, you know, there's so many times in man-made religion where it says taste not, touch not, all of that. No, man. Enjoy your life with the Lord. Amen? Enjoy your life. That's one of the greatest things I'm so thankful for, for that I learned in the grace of God is that God wants to enjoy your life with you. He just doesn't want anything to become an idol to you. He doesn't want anything to be more important to you than He is. Amen? And uh, when, when something steps in front of your relationship with the Lord, that's when it tries to be an idol. How I many you know a person can try to act like they're more important than the Lord? I mean, you know, even our kids, one of the things that, you know, we champion all the time, my kids are first place, my kids are first place, and man, and, and I think that that's wonderful that people say that, and I think it's good, but your kids will be taken care of better if the Lord's first place. It's just the truth. If the Lord is first place, then your kids will be taken care of. And I'm not talking about your church when I say that. I'm not talking about a ministry, I'm talking about your relationship with God, personal relationship. When I am, when I am being strengthened by the Lord... I'm a better father, for real. When I'm being strengthened by the Lord, I'm a better husband. When you're being strengthened by the Lord, you are operating as the person that God called you to be. And so many times we live in a world where we can get so distracted, especially with our phones, man, them stupid phones. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with the phone. You know, like there's a part of me, it's necessary, it's, you know, it's a part of life, but at the same time, I kind of hate it. You know, when, when we, went, we went hiking on Saturday, and we left our phones at home. We are like, no phones, you know. And, uh, and, and our lives were enriched as a result of us not having our phones. Because if, if I stay in a constant state of distraction, then what ends up happening is that I, be, I become not quite as effective. You know, the reason that a lion tamer holds a chair is not because the chair is protecting him from the lion. It's that he moves the chair to distract the lion. As long as the lion stays distracted, it can't attack. Same thing for the snake charmer. You see the snake charmer with the flute? Snakes are deaf. You know, they, they don't hear the sound, but they, they, watch, they watch the movement. And so um, the enemy will, will, will take something that is an empowerment. I mean, our phones are an empowerment, and I'm all for it. And I, you know, and I, 
they're very good things, you know, but how many know good things can turn to bad things when they're abused? Everything that I just mentioned that can potentially be abused. And so we don't want to live in such a distracted state that we don't get a chance to feed our spirit. You guys ever had a time when you, you, you were so busy that you didn't eat? <laughs> and then you start getting hangry? <laughs> yeah, it was funny. We were, putting, we were putting this grill together. You know, anytime there's something to put together in our home, Eli's on it. Like, it's his very favorite thing to do. He loves to put stuff together. And, uh, and so we're putting the grill together. And, you know, and I can't put anything together. I mean, I couldn't even, I can't connect two Legos together. Like, I need supervision or do that. I'm not good at stuff like that. Stacy is excellent at stuff like that. So, we have this system. How many know we're to submit to each other? Can I get an amen? Whoever's got the grace, let them go. That's, that's my thought process. Like, you know, when, when we were setting up for the, for the ministry time uh, for our, our, our bonfire and our worship night, man, I was like, Brian, just tell me what to do. You know, just tell me, what, what do you need, man? You need, you need to, just tell me what to do. Why? Because it's not about who's the boss. It's about who has the grace. He got the grace. I need to serve him. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's, what, that's what true Christianity is all about. We're here to serve each other. So in that scenario, I'm not going to be like, well, I'm the man, and we need to put this grill together. Not saying that there hasn't been years of our lives where I did that and broke everything. Amen. I mean, sometimes failure is the greatest teacher of all. Amen. And so, but now, thank God, I'm more secure in who I am in Christ. And when it's time to put something together, I, I serve my wife. You just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And so we're out there, and we're putting everything together, and Eli's helping, and he's, you know, he's doing his thing and putting stuff together, and he wants real tools. He doesn't want toy tools. He wants real tools. And, uh, and so anyway, so we're doing it. But then all of a sudden, he starts to get really upset. And so, and, and stay upset. So now, we've lived long enough to where now we know Eli's hungry. He's hungry. The issue isn't that there's nothing wrong that's going on. It's that his little tank is empty and this brother needs to eat. And so we pushed pause and we ate and then everything was fine. And, um, and so, in, I mean, you know, in life you can get so distracted or so busy that you can forget to eat and then you start reacting. You know, and I don't react. I'm not a hangry person. I'm, we've talked about this before, but I'm a pouty person. When I get hungry, I just shut down. I'm like, Argh. and I'm just like, I'm not mad at nobody. I'm just pouting because I'm hungry and I need to be fed. <laughs> but my attitude changes because I've run low in a certain area, right? And so there can be times in our lives where we're spiritually hungry and we don't even realize it. And we think, we think the issue is that we need more sleep, but really we need some time with the Lord. We think... You know, we, you know, we need more food, or we need more entertainment, or we need some new thing. That's another thing that we deal with in, in Western culture, is I need something new. I need something that shines. You know, give me something new. What I need is something new. I mean, you know, when you get that new thing, it immediately gets old, and it does not satisfy you any longer. Why? Because you can't be satisfied with material things. And so there can be times in our lives when we're pursuing things um, that ultimately don't fill us, but really what the issue is, okay, buddy, go sit down. The, the issue is um, that we're spiritually hungry. Amen? And we need a fresh connect with the Lord. Because here's the thing. Are we called to be fruitful? Yes. Are we called to flow in the fruit of the Spirit? Yes. But how many know we're not called to do any of those things in our strength? That's really important, man. 
Because trying to walk in love in your own strength is a recipe for failure and being upset. Trying to walk in peace in your own strength is a recipe for failure. Trying to walk in um, joy in your own strength is a recipe for failure. And so our part is to simply stay connected to the vine. We're not called to generate the power. We're not called to generate the strength. Our parts should just stay connected. And so in John 15, I'm going to read through this in context, and then we're just going to work through it in Scripture. John 15, in verse 1, Jesus speaking here. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. So the word we're really going to kind of be looking at today is the word abide. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Now, let's, let's actually let's go back up to verse 1, and let's start to work through it. I just like to read it in context. And so he, Jesus speaking here, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, man, religion, man-made religion has jumped on that. Man-made religion always wants to condemn and to bring fear. And so people have used this passage of Scripture to basically make people scared. See, if you're not being fruitful, God's going to take you out. And that's not what it's saying at all in the Greek. And if you, if you take a look, that word he takes away in the Strong's is 142. It's the word arrow. And it literally means, I raise up or lift up. Those are the primary definitions of that word. Okay? Um, and so, with that understanding, let me read it to you again. I am the true vine, my Father's divine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, I lift up. <clears throat> now, t- take, a, take a look here at uh, a vineyard. A vine dresser, that's someone who's a farmer of a vineyard, right? When there is a vine that's low-hanging, and not getting sunlight. What he does is he's saying, it's not bringing forth fruit. He doesn't cut it off. He lifts it up to bring it closer to the light so that it can draw strength and so that it can actually bring forth fruit. So what it looks like, if, you, if, you, if we just bring forth an analogy of Jesus, when we're in a season where our fruit is low, our strength is low, the Lord draws you closer to Himself. Can I get an amen? Oh, can I get an amen, please? Pretty please, can I get an amen? The Lord draws you closer to Himself. Why? Because He knows that He is your strength, and when you are receiving from Him, you're going to be bringing forth fruit. Once again, bringing forth fruit is not the product of your strength or your willpower. It's simply drawing strength from the vine. Amen? It's not something that we generate. You never walk by an apple tree and hear it grunting and groaning and trying so hard to produce fruit. No. All it has to do is stay connected to its source of power and it's going to bring forth fruit. And so when it says every branch of me that does not bring fruit, he says, I lift it up. And that's what the vine dresser does. If you're going through a tough season, you're going through a hard time. And generally speaking, the reason that we 
are not experiencing this place of closeness and relationship with the Lord, it's because of condemnation. We feel like God's mad at us. God's disappointed in us. You know, God's not disappointed in anybody here. Okay, you haven't let him down. You know, you weren't holding him up, and and uh, he holds us up. Amen. And so the reason that this sense of condemnation tries to come in is just trying to separate us from our life source. And so what what the Lord does, what the vine dresser does, he actually lifts you up into a place of closeness with him. You ever went through a dry season, and then you just had that moment where you just kind of surrendered and then broke into a fresh place of relationship with the Lord? You know, And, And that's the Lord, man. That's the Lord reaching out. In rescuing you. And so this, this, this sense of lifting up is the Lord's love and the Lord's care and the Lord's drawing near. Because here's the reality. How I many you know there's no one in this room that's any closer to God than anybody else? It's just the truth. Why? Because He's in you. Can't get no closer than that. He's inside you. But how I many you know that there can be an awareness of closeness? Right? Because when condemnation comes in, it makes you feel like you're a million miles away from God. When condemnation comes in, it tries to bring a sense of separation from God. But how many know that's a lie? And it's not true. And that's why we preach the gospel to burn away the darkness, to reveal the reality that you're with the Lord. How many know the prodigal son never stopped being a son? No matter how far he ran, no matter what mistakes he made, he was still a child. He was still a son of God. And so um, the enemy tries to bring in that sense of condemnation. But there's no one in this room that's any closer to the Lord than anyone else. The Lord's living on the inside of you. Amen? But how many know that when we come in here and we get into a place of worship, we bring our, our sense of awareness of the Lord's presence. And that is in the place where we draw strength. When I, when I spend time praying in the Spirit, um, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing forth a sense of awareness of the Lord's presence and I'm drawing strength. Cameo, you can sit in, in, in a home with someone and not be, you can be near them, but not be actually enjoying relationship with them. Y'all tracking me here? Like even when we, when we went hiking on, on Saturday, um, we didn't really go hiking, we went walking. You know, we just walked a little bit. It wasn't like a hike hike, you know. Uh, but, I mean, kind of, but it wasn't, nothing vigorous. Nothing, everybody was like, you're not taking us on some crazy hike, are you? You know, because they know me. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But what I wanted was, I wanted, because we've had a super busy week, you know, we're in this soccer tournament right now, and there's all kinds of busy, 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 and I wanted us to be able to reconnect as a family. Like, let's sit our phones down, and let's be present with each other. I mean, you you can be sitting in a room with people and not have any type of fellowship. We do it all the time, man. We can just sit and watch TV we can sit, and I'm not, once again, I'm not anti-entertainment, but how many know that we need, you know, at the, at the end of your life, you're not going to be like, man, I wish I watched TV more. You're not going to be like, man, I wish I was on my phone more. Man, I wish, you know, you're not, that's not going to be, that's not going to be your thought process. Maybe our thought process is, I wish I'd set my phone down more. I wish I'd have turned the TV off more. And so for me, I knew that we as a family needed to reconnect, and so like, even though we're all in a family, we needed some time of focused relationship to be present for each other. Y'all tracking me here? And, and why? Because there's strength that's in that. And how I many you know it's the same way with the Lord? 
Amen. A place of relationship. I've had times in my life where the Lord was like, you know, create a place where we can meet. He's always, he's always been like that with me. Create a place where we can meet. You know, whether that be a desk or that be a certain chair or that be, you know, you know, a place. I, you know where I pray? I, you know, I pray, I pray laying in bed. That's where I pray. I lay up in my bed. I turn, I crank up the Amazon uh, music thing, and that's where I pray. Right there in bed, man. And do I fall asleep sometimes? Yeah. But you know what? I fall asleep in the presence of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, but, but you create a place of fellowship, you know, because, because it's a purposeful thing. Like, I'm going to meet with the Lord. Now, listen, this is not a legalistic thing. This is, I need strength. He has all of it. And, and so I need, I'm going to draw near to Him so that I can receive something from Him because I know that when my tank is low, the, 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 then this fruitfulness that He's called me to of love, peace, joy. I mean, you know, it's hard to walk in love when you feel completely empty. It's, in fact, it's impossible. In fact, it, it's, just, it's one extra yoke that man-made religion tries to throw on you. Yes, you're empty. Yes, you're tired. You're not good enough. You're not trying hard enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. Now you've got to love everybody the way Jesus loves you. And we, just, we just crack under that. No, no. I mean, you know, the number one thing, the most spiritual thing you can do is receive love from the Lord. Can I get an amen? Just receive love. Amen? We are filled with all the fullness of Christ when we know the love of God. Amen? And so, and so the Lord has that for us, and we need it. We need that place of abiding. And so then he goes on in the next verse and says, And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, you know, we got all, we got all weird about pruning and stuff in times past because we, we had a tendency towards condemnation anyway. Yeah, the Lord going to cut you off, man. The Lord going to cut you off because you ain't bringing more, forth fruit. No, 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 man. The purpose of really what pruning is more than anything is probably about your time. Where, where are you spending your time? You know, And uh, there will be times when God will, will, if you allow Him to, you know, I'll tell you something I just got pruned in was the news. I was reading and watching too much news. And it was messing me up. And the Lord was like, I need, you know. And here's the thing. God will never make you do anything. But your own misery will help you there. That's what I have found. My own misery will help me to make a change. Um, but but I, I got to a place during the whole election and politics and news where I got, and I've talked about this past couple of weeks, but I got irate, like mad, mad. And, and not in the spirit on the Lord's day. Can I get an amen? And finally, the issue was I was feeding on things that were making me angry. Duh. You know? And uh, how many know those things can be addictive? How many of you can get addicted to the news? How many of you can get addicted to politics? You can get addicted to movies. You can get addicted to sports. You can get addicted to sleep. You can get addicted to food. You can get addicted to all these things. And all these things are fine in moderation. But what was happening was he was consuming my thought life. How many know I can promise you that if you do turn on the news, you're not going to look at what is just pure, lovely, and of good report? <laughs> If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, it ain't on the television. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, praise God. And I still read the news, but what I did was I cut that time down. God pruned me in that area. And you know what I did instead? I listened to Proverbs. And just on my phone. There's, there's this app on your phone. It's a dwell app. It's amazing. It's so good. It's, it's not like a corny audio Bible. It's like good stuff. 
And uh, anyway, so I listened to Proverbs. You know what happened? My peace increased, my joy increased, and my happiness increased. And I became a better husband and a better father and just a better everything as a result of being pruned in this area that it was starting to dominate my life. How many know there are forces that want to keep us all fighting each other? Have y'all seen that analogy with the red ant and the black ant? Oh gosh, it's so good. They were just talking about if you take a, and I'm probably I'm not going to say it exactly, but if you take a red ant and a black ant from a country and you put them in a jar, they'll, they'll just work around each other. But if you take that jar and you shake it up, they start killing each other. So that's what's happening in America right now. Somebody's shaking the jar. And it's the devil. It's not, a, it's not a person, per se. There are people involved, but ultimately it's the devil. And uh, just, you know, I'm just like, disconnect from all that, man. Disconnect from that trash and connect to the kingdom and walk in peace. You know, I mean, that's, and, and, and so, anyway, and so what God did was He pruned my time in this area. I was spending too much time consuming other people's opinions that are extremely biased on both sides, and I need Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's what I need, amen? And so that's, a, that's an example of pruning. And there's different types of pruning. You know, you may be involved in a certain ministry, and God may pull you and put you over here. You may be involved in this, and God may change things up and put over here. Why does God do that? How many know if you let Him, He'll do it? Why is He doing it? For you. Everything the Lord does is for us. It's not for Him. It's for us. And so there are times when God will he'll prune and he'll, he'll change your time, amen, if we let him. And then he goes on to say, he says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And then he starts using this term abide. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so what I, what I want to be careful, well, let me continue to read. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So he starts saying, look, I'm your strength. Stay connected to me. Now, this is not an issue of salvation. Okay? People have preached this chapter, it's an issue of salvation. And it's just not true. And, it's, it, and this is, they make their case on the next verse. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So people are like, man, if you're not fruitful, then you're not saved, and God's going to cut you off, and he's going to burn you. That's not the proper... That's not, that's not what this passage of Scripture is saying. Number one, when he was talking about taking away, he's actually talking about the Greek word arrow, which means to lift up. And here's the thing. How I many you know, if I go out and get an apple tree, and I cut the branch off the apple tree, and I throw it onto the pavement and let the sun shine down on it, how I many you know the, the fruit is going to wither on that apple tree because it's not connected to its power source? But how I many you know it's still an apple tree branch? Because it's disconnected, it does not change its nature. That's extremely important to understand. The nature does not change. And so, how many, how many of y'all have been a Christian, and, and you were a branch, but you felt disconnected, and you weren't drawing strength, and how many know you had no fruit? You had no love, no peace, no joy, but how many know you're still a Christian? You're still a believer. You're still a child of God. And so, don't allow legalism to look at this through the lens of condemnation and bring a sense of, man, you know, you're one step away from losing out in the Lord. How many know we all know that's garbage? That's not what this is talking about. But what I will say is this, 
what, what disconnects us, and this is really primarily not what we're going to look at today, but I'm going to mention it, is condemnation. When you feel like God's against you, when you feel like God's going to punish you for your sin, when you feel like God does not love you, God does not favor you, and God's disappointed in you, that will bring a disconnect in your mind towards God. But how many know you are still one with Christ? Can I get an amen? How many know that after Peter denied the Lord three times, how many know he was still God's chosen leader? But how many know he, he said, you know what, I go efficient. And what he was saying was, I've been doing this lifestyle of ministry, forget it, I'm going to go back to something I know. And how many know Peter, in a place of condemnation, removed himself from the Lord? But how many know the Lord pursued him and found him and fed him and restored him? And, and so even the prodigal son, I mean, you know, he, he felt like he was unworthy of his father's love and his father's provision, so he just tried to work for him. I mean, you know, the father came and removed that sense of condemnation. So condemnation will try to disconnect you from a sense of fellowship. How many know it's even the same in your own home? How many of y'all enjoy being around someone who you feel like is mad at you? None of us do, right? If you think somebody's mad at you, how many of you probably don't want to, don't want to hang out, Right? And, and so the enemy is always trying to make you feel like the Lord is mad at you so you won't draw near to him and draw strength from him. That's one of the greatest things about David. David, when he made a mistake, and the Bible says that David was a man after the Lord's own heart, how I many know when David made a mistake, he didn't run from God, he ran to God. And we need to be the same way. So don't allow condemnation to bring any sense of separation into your life. Condemnation is a lie. It's non-existent. You ever had, been in a situation where someone told you that someone was mad at you, and then you come to find out that they weren't mad at you at all, someone just lied? Well, that, that's, how, that's actually how it is with the Lord. God's not mad at you, God's not disappointed in you, God loves you, He's got a bright future for you. Don't allow the enemy to convince you otherwise. Amen? This is real important, this is the fight of faith right here. Because did Jesus do a good job on the cross? If he did a good job on the cross, then that means that all your sin has been taken care of, past, present, and future, and you live, as a believer, you live in a state of perpetual forgiveness and grace and being the object of God's love. Amen? So don't allow condemnation to, to cause you to ground yourself from enjoying fellowship with the Lord. That's one of the greatest things grace, one of the greatest revelations grace brought in my life is is, is we have uninterrupted fellowship with God. See, when you fail, God's still there. Can't get an amen. He's there. In fact, He's right there to pick you up. But under a, a legalistic mindset, we begin to remove ourselves from the Lord. And, and that's just not what God wants for us. So then He goes on to say, and He's once again talking about abiding. And I'm going to step back. And he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. God wants your life to be fruitful. And primarily, I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, joy, kindness, all of these things. And uh, fruitfulness looks differently to different people. How many know you're not called to compare yourself with somebody else? Can I get an amen? You know, if I were to compare my ministry to Billy Graham's ministry, I might feel awful. But how many know I'm not called to be Billy Graham? I'm called to be me. Can I get an amen? How many know you're called to be you? You run your race. Amen? And, and that's, that's huge. So fruitfulness... How I many know what fruit on an apple tree looks different than fruit on a pear tree? So don't ever compare yourself to someone else's life. No, fruitfulness, what fruitfulness looks like to you may be different than what it is for somebody else. But we are all called to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. 
And that, to me, is the most important fruitfulness that we have. How many know your life's better when you're walking in love? How many know your life's better when you have joy? Your life's better when you have peace? Your life's better when you have self-control? Your life's better when you're kind? So many times we're out trying to make our lives better with something external when the real issue is it's internal. When I, when, I have, when I have peace in my heart, I'm a better father. Why? Because I handle things better. When, when, when I have peace in my heart, I'm a, I'm a better husband. I'm a better driver <laughs> when I have peace in my heart. Amen? And, and so this fruitfulness that God has for us, it not only does it benefit the people around us, it benefits us. And so, so he says, without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered and they're gathered him, throw them in the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me, and then he makes this curious statement. This is actually what I want to highlight today. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And so we talked about different ways that we have a relationship with the Lord. How I many know one of those ways is worship? One of those ways is prayer? We talked about getting out in nature and you know, spending time with God out in nature. Anybody else got another thing to share about the way they connect with the Lord? You read? See, that's good. Yeah. Sure. That's good. Come on. Well said. That is awesome. So that's good. So she connects through through reading, through reading, you know, through reading not just the Bible but other people, other books, and so I think that's really good. Anybody else have a way they connect that's different than what I described? Please. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yes. That is really good, and that's a really good point. That's something people don't talk about a lot, and, and especially when, when, when um, depending on people's motivational gifts, but those of you that are watching online, Teresa just shared, that when she's actually doing something, when she's in the midst of doing an activity or, you know, doing, or just working or whatever, there's a connection with the Lord. And I have a friend that's like that. He, 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 the way he connects is when he's doing. And um, so you can be doing something outwardly, but connected in here. And I think that's a, that's a huge, huge point. You can be doing something outwardly, but connected in here. I mean, inside out. I mean, you can do it as unto the Lord. Man, I'm telling you what. Boy, when you start doing stuff as unto the Lord, there's so much power in it. Like what you're doing, you're just, and it can be the biggest task or the most menial task, but if you're doing it as unto the Lord, there is like this connection. And you want to glorify God with what you do. I think if we could teach young people how to do this with sports, man, or how to do this with school. You know, do it as unto the Lord. There's a, there's a strength in it. There's a, that's really, really good. Thank you for sharing that. Anybody else? Certain movies. See, that's excellent. And this is stuff that people, whoa, blah, 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 movies. No, man, how many know God will speak to you through a movie? Man, we were watching The Office the other night. I, I know you knew it, but like, I cried. Like, I, there, at the end, it was like where, they, where Pam and Jim like refall back in love. And they start talking about uh, the, the verse in Corinthians about what love is and stuff like that. You know, because they were like, it, it was beautiful, man. And I, so she's like, are you crying? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good. 
And so movie, you know, movies, TV shows, how many old guys speak anyway he can get you to listen? Anyway. And he'll get on a movie, he'll get on, uh, I know he speaks to you a lot through Star Wars, you know, there's so many uh, Christian themes in that movie, you know, and, and, um, and so don't, 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 don't relegate the Lord to just one thing, amen. Anybody else something that I didn't mention? Music? Yeah. Well, we, we, ta- we touched on that already, worship. But, and, uh, but still, that's a good point, though. Um, so there's all these different ways to connect, right? But, he, but he, he says something specific right here. He talks about his words. My words abiding in you. And so there's something about the Word of God being in your heart that is a connection point of strength. Okay? And, and, and I need all y'all that went through all kinds of stuff in certain circles to not tone me out because what I'm about to share is true. Okay? Amen. And I know, I know, see, anytime you, you speak on something that has been abused, you can recall all past forms of abuse. But I'm not, I'm done throwing the babies out with the bathwater. What I'm about to share, this is powerful and this is true. And I know it was mistaught, but it doesn't change the fact that it's in the, it's in the scriptures. Can I get an amen? When the word of God is in your heart, how many of that word will speak to you? And it will strengthen you. I know when Jesus withstood the devil, he didn't prophesy to the devil. He spoke scripture. He spoke it. He said it. He said what was in his heart. And so there's all different ways that we abide and connect with the Lord, but he specifically says, My words abide in you. So I'm talking about allowing the word of God to dwell on the inside of you. Amen? Why? In the form of promise. How many of y'all fight so bad? We fight battles, don't we? Look, every battle you fight, you got a promise for it. Everything you, you're fighting right now, there's a promise in God's Word, in Scripture, that you can speak out against what's trying to come against you and your family. Currently, the word that I am using um, that is strengthening me in regards to all the craziness that's going on in terms of violence and sickness and disease and all that, is no evil shall befall me or my family, neither shall any plague come near our dwelling, for the Lord's given His angels charge over us, and they keep us in all of our ways. Bam! That's my word for that, right? That thing's in my heart. And, and, it, and it's in the forefront of my mind. Not the news, not the media, not even the doctors, not you know the riots and all the crazy stuff that's going on. You know, what, you know what's in my heart? is that word. Amen. And there's strength in it. Because I have an answer to the, to the pain and the craziness that's going on in this world. How I many you know that you have an offensive weapon in the armor of God? We got the shield of faith, man. You know, we got the belt of truth. We got, you know, we got, uh, we got our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We got all these things. But you've got a sword. Swing it. You understand? Swing it. <laughs> Swing your sword. And, and the way that sword gets polished and sharp is that it's in your heart. It's right here. Meditate. Speak it out. And the most important thing for you to meditate is your righteousness of God. Because the primary attack of the enemy is going to try to condemn you. So you need to know that you're the righteousness of God. And when I, when I just sit down and start to speak out Scripture, that's usually what comes out of my mouth. 
I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. The way, you know, in, in the pathway of righteousness, there is life and there is no death. You know, I mean, all these just scriptures, man, are just powerful things that connect me to the vine. Now, I'm a branch whether I'm speaking or not. I'm loved whether I'm speaking or not. Don't let legalism come in here, y'all. Don't let it. But don't, don't put your sword down, man. Pick your sword back up and whack the enemy upside the head with that thing. <clears throat> Stay strong. And, you know, in 1 John chapter 2, if you guys want to turn there, but it makes this interesting statement. It says, I have written to you fathers, because you have known him, who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you. Same word, meno, in the Greek, abides. What makes the young men strong? The word's in them. The word is in there, the promise. So that when I'm watching the news, and I'm seeing crazy stuff go on, my word I agree with what God says about my family. No evil shall befall us. Bam. That's what I agree on. I'm not looking at statistics. I'm not looking at someone else's experience, believer or non-believer. I'm not looking at any of those things. I'm looking at what the promise of God to me in His Word is. And I know I sound super word of faithy right now. But this is the truth. This is the truth. This is Scripture. Don't, don't allow the abuse of the enemy to rob you of truth. Don't allow... You know, the, the worst thing we can do is allow something that we were abused in to rob us of the truth that was still resident that was there. And I know there's a season of, of coming out of abuse and, and being restored back into... You know, when someone is sexually abused, I mean, well, it takes them time to get to where sex becomes something that is enjoyable. Because it was something that was, they were hurt with. Same thing can happen for sleep. Same thing can happen for food. All these things are not evil unto themselves, but when something's been abused or it's been used to hurt you, how I many you know some of y'all have been so hurt in church, it's a miracle that you're in a church? Me too. Me too. So many people. But still, there's strength in the body, man. God set this thing up in community. We're not to roll solo. We need each other. And the same thing here, the Word of God... <clears throat> The reason that the young men are strong is the Word of God abides in them. And you have overcome the wicked one. Because Scripture says that the Word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. What does that mean? That means that I can see clearly through what God has said. Not what the media has said. Not what the politicians have said. But what God has said. What has God said? See, when, when the Word is in me, I can see clearly. Especially the Word of righteousness. <clears throat> because when, when I understand the Word of righteousness, I understand that God has made, has, made a, has made you good and has made me good. Can I get an amen? You may have some bad thoughts. You may have some bad mistakes and some bad actions. But the Lord Jesus Christ has, has, has stepped inside of you. And now you are good because God made you good. Can I get an Amen. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are now the holy of holies. You are, you are the tabernacle of the Lord. He's living on the inside of you. And so when you understand that, how many know you can see clearly? How many know I see the world differently when I know God's for me? The world's a different place when I know God's for me. 
When I think God is against me, I'm in darkness, even as a believer. How I many you know if I think God's against me, then I have no confidence when all this crazy stuff is going on in this world? Because I don't, I don't believe that God has my back. What's the breakdown point? Am I right with God or not? That's always the question. It's never, is God, too, is God powerful enough to handle the problem? The question is, is God going to handle it for me? Is God going to handle it for you? And if you'll pull yourself off the witness stand, because you're not under trial anyway, and you'll put Jesus up there, you'll realize that God is actually for you because you are in Christ Jesus. Okay, get an amen. And Christ Jesus is in you. This is where faith abounds. This is where you get strong. This is where you get robust. This is where you get skilled in righteousness because you walk the earth knowing that God is for you. I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't care what's going on out there. God Almighty is for you. You have a right to these promises that I'm about to share with you. You have a right to those things. So righteousness is the key that unlocks all the promises of God because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Him. Not in me, in my weak obedience. Not in me, in my behavior. Not in me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. So we have a more sure word of prophecy in, the, in Scripture, in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have a right to be protected. Now, don't allow, this is, this is really important too, don't allow your experiences to rob you of, of faith in the now. How many of y'all have had times when you jumped and it didn't seem like anybody caught you? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. No one has ever walked the earth and they, did, and, and, and they never had a trial of their faith. Nobody. Not Moses, not David, not Joshua, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not Michael, not Kelly, not Dan, not Jeremiah, not Angie. None of us. We will, see, because look, if everything you prayed and everything that happened in your life was just sunshine and roses, there would be no place for trust. There is a trial of your faith. And it's more precious than gold. It's more important than all the money in your bank account. It's more important than everything that you have because it's the one thing that you're going to take to heaven with you. It's the trial of your faith. It's more precious than gold. When you come and you lay your crown down at the foot of the Master, you will be laying down, really, your faith in Him and your trust in Him. Not your faith for stuff. Not for houses and cars and healing and all that stuff. No, no, no. It's about faith in Jesus. That's the primary thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Don't have faith in a million different errors. Just have faith that Jesus made you the righteousness of God. And then everything else will follow suit after that. Yes, take a stand on the promises, but all faith comes from the fact that you have a right to those promises. And the reason you have a right to those promises is because of Jesus. But this is what you're taking with you. This is what matters. When you die, you're not taking any of your stuff with you. The only thing that's going with you is your faith. And it is under trial. And it is more precious than gold. And it will be tried by fire. And there will be times when you jump and it don't seem like nobody caught you. There will be times when you prayed and it didn't go through. It's a part of earth. This is a part of the experience of earth. Earth is fallen. It's a fallen place. There's a devil running around. There's evil running around. There's a battle going on. Okay? But this is your only opportunity to work together with the Lord to overcome evil. When you get to heaven, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be amazing. Don't get me wrong. Heaven's going to be awesome. 
but you're never going to get another shot to, 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 to overcome with the Lord. Because everything will have been overcome and everything will become his footstool. I don't know about you, but that makes me change my attitude towards this life because this is my chance. You know, this is my opportunity to, to, to work together with, with the Lord to overcome. And this life is this big compared to eternity. <clears throat> and so, let's overcome. Let's win. God's for us. Yes, I, I understand you may have jumped and you may have, you may have, you know, stopped, you may have been hurt and bad things may happen. And I don't, I don't belittle any of that. We could all spend all day long talking about the hell we've been through. But you know what? We can also talk about the faithfulness of our God. We could talk about how we're alive today. Amen? How, how God has preserved us. How God has brought us out of the, the church abuse that we went through. How God has brought us out and has set us up. And, and we, we, we could testify of the goodness of God. Listen, focus on that. Focus on that. And here, even more importantly than focus on that, focus on the promise. <clears throat> no evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come near my dwelling. Amen. Amen. Because there's a place of abiding in the Lord where His words are in us. Now, this is key here. You've got to rightly divide the Word. You've got to rightly divide. Turn, if you turn, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 6 through 9. How many know the letter kills? It's important to understand. How many know if the Bible is wrongly divided, it will kill you? And it will kill you faster than crack... <laughs> It will kill you faster than cocaine. It will kill you faster than anything on earth. When this book is spoken from the position of condemnation, it's a killer. <clears throat> and people, and so that's why it's got to be rightly divided. I mean, you are better off watching a movie than you are listening to a sermon that's filled with condemnation. Because that movie's at least neutral. At best, at worst, it's filled with worldly stuff. But when you take a mask of an angry God and you put it on the face of your father, that will mess you up more than any movie in Hollywood can produce. And so, you've got to rightly divide the Word. How do you rightly divide the Word? Let's look at it real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, <clears throat> who also made it sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills... But the Spirit gives life. And so there's a place where the Word gives life when it's done out of the Spirit. What's the difference? Well, we'll see. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadily look at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was being passed away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation had glory, the ministration of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. The issue is righteousness. Now, how many know someone can take a New Testament Scripture and preach condemnation from it? What's the difference? Here's the difference. The pulpit should never be a place of disqualification. This should not be a place where people are disqualified for the promises of God. That's condemnation. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? This is what people do a lot of times. Well, the reason you're not healed is because this, 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 and this. That's disqualification. The reason you're not financially prosperous is because this, this, and this, and this, and this. Now listen, check it out. How many know wisdom comes, and wisdom will direct you and lead you and guide you? Can I get an amen? But wisdom can be presented in a cup of condemnation, and the only thing it's going to do is bring death into your life. 
See, what, 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 what Jesus says is everything that I've promised you, it's yours. For free, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? There's not, there's not someone in this room that's more qualified to receive any of these promises than anybody else. Because it's not based upon man's merit. How many of you know it's based upon the Son of God? And so, when Scripture is rightly divided, it will always justify the person, and it will always supply. It will not demand. See, condemnation says, you need to be nice. You need to be loving. You need to, you need to walk in love. You need to, you need it. No, that, the demand's the wrong place. Duh, we all need to do that. That's condemnation. Supply is Christ in you. You have love. You have peace. You have joy. You are loved. Stay connected to the vine and bring forth the power of the vine. But what, 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 what grace does, what properly dividing the word does, is it, it, it places the demand on God, not on you. This is key. And you draw your strength from the Lord. Because I could set someone down, and, 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 and we can have one person that's flowing in the fruit of the Spirit and one person that's not, but the word towards the person not flowing in the Spirit is this. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God loves you. Know you not that you're the temple of the living God? You've got to call forth the Christ in them. Y'all tracking me here? Now, I'm not saying there isn't time when correction comes concerning behavior. Can I get an amen? I mean, oh, God's not going to lead anybody into sin. God's not going to lead anybody into stupidness. And how many know right's right and wrong's wrong? But do you know that that's actually not meat, that's milk? Behavior modification is milk. Meat is righteousness. We had it backwards. But people need milk. People need milk. You know, when, with our youth group right now, we're, 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 we're working through milk. And that's okay. Because they need it. Like, you know, two weeks ago, you know what we talked on? Respecting women. How many of you they live in a culture that does not respect women? And there are women that don't respect themselves. And so how many know that out of love for them, we need to let them know, no, we're better, we respect women. Now, not from the position of condemnation. <clears throat> not if you respect women, God will love you. If you respect women, God will bless you. If you respect women, then you can be saved. That's, how many know that's condemnation? That's, that's the killing letter. No, you come out with God loves you, God accepts you, you're the righteousness of God. But as young men of God, we're going to carry ourselves in a fashion where we, we, we respect women. Amen. And then last week, I, I talked about the power of honesty, the power of truth. But it's still milk. It's still, it's still important, though. How I many you know behavior modification hasn't been thrown out uh, because it's the new covenant? How I many you know Paul addresses behavior? But he addresses it after he's established who they are. Identity is meat. Identity, identities, I mean, you know, a cup of milk may last me an hour, but a steak will last me. Three hours. <laughs> Amen. There's meat and there's milk, and you actually need both. But it can never... So the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so th these words, in the place of the Spirit, in the place of them being life-giving, in the place of them being justifying, in the place of them speaking out the righteousness of God... 
How many know you can take the lens of Jesus and the cross and the righteousness of God and you can go back into the old covenant and pick up all those promises? Even the promise that I just talked to you about, no evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling, that's in Psalms. Right? So there's probably some portion of that psalm that's probably got some condemnation in it. You ever notice that in the psalms? You'd be rolling through this, oh, this is great. This is like, ah, God's going to get you, and ah, wrath on your enemies, and break their teeth, and break their, oh, Jesus. That part, not for you. Get to the part that is for you. Look through the cross. How many of you got to look at it through Jesus? <coughs> Even Proverbs. Proverbs fill with promises about righteousness. Under, the old, under, under, under condemnation, we think, man, if I was just righteous, I'd be blessed. Blessings are upon the head of the just. The tongue of the righteous is its choice silver. In the house of the righteous, there's much treasure. Man, if I was just righteous, if I was just just. I mean, you know, the truth is that now that you've received Jesus, you are. Whether you're acting like it or not, you are because of the identity that's been given to you. So how I many know we need to go in and pick all those promises up and empower ourselves with these promises and allow this Word to abide in us, to dwell in us, so that you have an answer for adverse circumstances when they arise against you. I mean, you know, you're going to have circumstances in your life that are going to be contrary to the promises. I mean, you know, when lack tries to rise up, when not enough tries to rise up. I mean, you know, you got, you got promises on that. God will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. Can I get an amen? God takes care of His kids. Amen. God, God, ugh. And so, you got, so, we, alright, we got to have the sword, man. Amen. You can tell I'm passionate about this because this is an area of my life that I let go. Because I was hurt. And I let it go. And, and it's okay. And how I many you actually don't have to bring it back and God still loves you and God's still for you and you're still on your way to heaven. But there's a place of abiding that is allowing the Word of God to occupy the space of your mind and your heart. I want to see the world through the lens of God's Word, not through what they're telling me. The Bible says the Word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And then Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, I'll read it to you for sake of time. It says, For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God, Scripture, will tune your mind in to allow you to know what's of your soul and what's of your spirit and what's of the flesh. How many know that we need to periodically tune our, our cars? You know, Brian, what if you only tune your guitar once a year? Be bad, right? Even even if you didn't if you didn't tune your guitar for one service, you might get away with it one service. But the next service, it would be you probably wouldn't get away with it one service. <clears throat> How many know that your mind needs tuning? You know what tunes your mind? Not the news, not entertainment. The Word of God, man, it'll tune you. It'll it, it it'll it'll set things right on the inside of you. You know, one of the reasons our society is barreling into immorality is we've, we've ceased to honor Scripture as being divinely inspired. It is true, man. I mean, the reason that people are hurling themselves headlong into what they think is progress 
It's not really, it's not really progress. It's a step away from the design of the Creator. God didn't create th- certain things to function certain ways. It just don't work like that. If I go out and I pour milk into my car, <clears throat> it's not going to run good. Humanity doesn't run good on sin. Cultures don't run good on sin. If you look at every vast civilization that fell, it generally fell as a result of rampant immorality. Why? It's a, it's, it's, it's a cancer. It's a, it's a, it's, it eats us up. Why? We weren't designed to operate like that. We were designed to operate the way the Lord showed us. The book is the manual. It'll keep you tuned up and it'll keep you seeing and hearing and walking properly. Amen? And so, this word, so in, in, in Ephesians 6.17, it's the sword of the Spirit. Right? You have all these elements of the armor of God, but you have one offensive weapon. And it's that word, man. And it's out of your mouth. It's what you say. And, and if you'll take some time with it, and here's the thing that I think is important. It's better to hone a few instruments of battle than have an array of things that have not been honed. And let me explain that a little bit. It's, you know, when you're in the battle, you really just need one word from God. You don't need chapters. You don't need books. You don't need, you just need a promise. And you hone it, you polish it up, and you get it strong. Just like you would a weapon. How do you do it? Well, you let it in your heart. You read it. You speak it. You meditate on it. You think about it. You say it out of your mouth. And you get it strong Y'all ever had a time where the Word of God was abiding in you strong and you spoke a word out of your mouth before you even realized what happened? You know what spoke? Your spirit spoke. Why? Because it's in there. And remember when it, in 1 John it says, that, that I speak to you young men because you're strong and you've overcome the wicked one. The Word of God abides in you. When that Word... How many know what's in your heart's going to come out of your mouth? <clears throat> what's in your heart's going to come out of your mouth? If all you know, if if we if I spent the next week of my life watching Jerry Springer twelve hours a day, how many you know at the end of that week, what comes out of my mouth is going to be different than what it came out beforehand? How many know evil communications corrupt good manners, and what and what you're constantly taking in is going to be coming out of you? Now, once again, I'm not anti-entertainment, I'm not anti-news, I'm not anti-movies. I mean, I think you can enjoy those things, just like I'm not anti-Twinkies. <clears throat> I'm not anti-Pop-Tarts. I'm not anti-chocolate. I'm not anti-cake, you know? I eat, like, we, we, we you know, I had a birthday, and we had this, this daggone, y'all ever had one of them bunt cakes? Bunt cakes? It's this place in Lexington that makes these bunt cakes. Oh, my gosh. They are so good. They are so good. And so, like... Like, I, I ate this cake, like, every day. Like, 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 got it out and sat down and cut a piece and ate a piece of the cake, you know. And, 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 uh, and it was great, man. But it's, and I enjoyed it. But you know what? It's not the only thing that I ate. I ate broccoli. Praise God. I ate chicken. I ate all these other things. How I many you know that the cake is good, but if it's the only thing that I'm eating, it's going to impact my health? And so, like, I ate other stuff as well. And so it's the same way with the, with the world. If the only thing I feast on is worldly, it's going to affect my quality of life. It's going to affect my quality of life. 
If my peace is low, if my joy is low, if my love is low, it's probably because I'm feeding on things that aren't feeding me. And I need to change what I'm feeding on. And it's not so much that I need to cut all this stuff out. I'm still going to eat some cake. I'm still going to eat some ice cream. But I'm also going to eat some other stuff too. I know that I can't run my life on sweets. Are you all tracking me here? I can't run my life on entertainment. Because if I do, then my tank will get so low. Now here, how many know I'm still a child of God? I'm still the righteousness of God. How many I'm still a branch? But I might be withering. I might be dried up. Folks, if, all, if you listen to tons and tons of news, you'll live in fear. She's going to tell you right now, you're going, to live, you're going to live in fear, you're going to live in anxiety. And here's, I mean, like, I don't want that for my life. But how many know it can get addicting? Just like sports can get addicting or movies can get addicting. You just, you, but it's like, it's, these things, it's the piece of cake you have with the other things that you eat. Are y'all tracking me here? Because sometimes I can be in a place where, you know, someone's not happy, they feel depressed, they feel down, they don't have peace, they don't have joy. You need to change what you're feeding on. You're still a child of God, but you're, you're maybe feeding on the wrong things. Amen. In moderation, it's okay. I like soda. Man, you, people give me such a hard time for liking soda, man. I get condemned over that all the time. I like soda. I drink soda. I have all different kinds of soda that I like. I like diet soda. I know that's like a cuss word, you know. Coke Zero, man. Me and Kelly, we're on the same page. We lo- I love Coke Zero. I love ALA. I, I like it, and I eat it, and I, I like it. And so, But here's the thing. I also drink water. Probably I should drink more water, but I also drink water. And, and I enjoy those things, but I know that that Coke Zero is not bringing life to me. Not like water does. That's bringing me, it, it bringing me pleasure, but it's not bringing life to me. The cake, it's bringing me pleasure, it's not bringing life to me. The Word of God, it will bring life to you. The Word of God will bring life to you. When it's rightly divided, and it's under the New Covenant... It will bring a strength to you that nothing else can. How many of you know you need a strength that's greater than what the world can provide? You need a strength that's greater than what you can provide. You need, you need, we need to, we need, we need Jesus, amen? We need him, man. Okay. Now, last place, and we'll go to Romans chapter 4. This is one of those pastoral messages that aren't super exciting. But, like, it's just good, and we all need it. <laughs> this is your broccoli today. <laughs> this isn't the cake. This is the broccoli. But it's okay. You need some broccoli, you know? But, um, you know, in Proverbs chapter 18, and verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You, what Your words, man, it's the sword of the Spirit. Say what God says about your health. I'll say the same thing about, getting, about aging. I'm not going to embrace what the world says about aging. No. No, no. No, 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 no. I'm hanging my hat on what God says. God says that He renews our youth as the eagles. Doesn't He say that? He says that. He says that there's the renewal of youth and the blessing of Abraham. I'm grabbing that. I'm not going to adopt the world's vernacular into my mouth of decay. Well, I'm just this, and I'm just that, and I'm just this. No, 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 man. You go right ahead with all that. I'm not participating in that. 
Not because I'm like think I'm better than anybody else, but because I, my wife's pregnant, and I have a two year old, and I'm in my forties, <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna run my race. I'm going to run it, and, and I'm gonna do it with the Lord. Here's the thing. Here, and see, I can't I can't I can't be picking that death up and putting it in my mouth. I can't do it. Not if I want. Not if I want what I want, which is living in days of heaven on earth according to the promises of God. I can't do the same thing with, with health. Never take a sickness and and make it yours. Don't bring it into you. And make well. I just. I'm just. If you identify with frailty, then that's what you're going to have. You've got to choose to identify with Jesus Christ, regardless of what you're experiencing externally. It's just facts. If you want life, you don't have to. You don't have to. You can choose to identify with frailty. We can choose to identify with poverty. We can choose to identify with old age. If you want to. But it says here, life and death are in the power of the tongue, that those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. There's power in what you speak over your life. There's power in what you speak over your spouse. There's power in what you speak over your children. There's power over it, man. Why? If I constantly, if I constantly set my son down and told, me, told him that he was stupid all day, do you think it would affect him? No thanks. No thanks. I'm not going to do that. Now, I need to change the way I speak about my dog. I do. And I know I do, and the Lord's talked to me about it. And, and I need to do it. I need to do it. We need to speak life over our dog. We don't currently speak life over our dog in the house. We, we, we don't. We, we speak over him according to his actions. <laughs> this dog is dumb! <laughs> and, and, and you know what we get? We get what we what we we're empowering it to happen. We've got to speak life, man. Righteous man regards the life of his beast. I've got to change what I'm doing there. You know? And so, anyway, praise God. Just being honest with you, you know, we need to. How I many of you need to speak life over the school system? Speak life. Man, when I, when I drive by my son's high school, I speak life over that thing. I thank you, Lord, that you live in that high school. You live in that high school. No evil shall befall those kids. Amen. Amen. Speak life. How many of we need to speak life over our government? All sides. Gosh, we could definitely get better at that. Speak life, man. He that would love life and see good days, see that his tongue speak no evil and no guile. I know I probably messed that up a little bit, but, but the, man, just, you ever get around someone who complains all the time? Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, people like that drain me. You know, it's like, say something good, man. You know, say something positive. Don't just speak death. You know, if, I, if I'm around, if I'm in a gathering and I'm hanging out with everybody and then there's someone who just wants to complain, I'll slowly move somewhere else. I mean, I will, because like, I mean, I know that, but like, that's death. And I understand, we don't deny the fact that there's problems, we don't deny that they exist, but speak life. Speak life. How many know God saw darkness and didn't speak darkness? God saw darkness and spoke light. Amen? Okay, I'm really trying to to finish this thing out here. Romans chapter 4, in verse 16, we see really kind of the way this whole thing works in the life of Abraham. It says, and we close right here, it says, therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, 
not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, I mean, oh, God said that to him when he changed his name. He said, you're no longer Abram, you're Abraham. And, and then he says, I've made you a father of many nations. Now, he said this to an old guy with no kids and changed his name. But in God's mind, it's done. Why is it done? Because he's so powerful and whatever he say happens. This is where we start to see the concept. This is important. Please don't lose this. This is where we see the concept of speaking the promise in the midst of the pain. In the midst of the failure. Because this is an old man who has no kids and God says, I want you to say what I have said about you, not what everyone else has said about you. Y'all tracking me here? God says this. Now, how many of you know, this is a point of contention. Because what we want to do is we want to say what we see. But God says, don't say what you see, say what I've promised you. Are y'all tracking me here? And, and this, is where, this is where the other stuff got it right, man. There's an element of truth in this. <clears throat> I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of, whom, of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he might become the father of many nations, according to what which was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So what, what, did, what did Abraham do? He spoke the promise. He said what God has said. What should be, what, how should you speak over your kids? Stacy's helped me with this too, man. You know how many everyone always talks about how difficult teenagers are? It's not in the book. <laughs> I mean, it's true, but like, like it's easy to pick up death, slang it, and it, and, and we, we 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 joke about oh, teenagers are so difficult, blah 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 blah. So I picked up that piece of death and been, oh, you know. Teenage, blah, blah, blah. Well, the reason, you know, God makes it difficult. You know, teenagers are difficult because if they stayed so sweet when they were little, then you'd never want to let them go. And so they're difficult, and then you're ready to let them go so they can live their own life. I mean, we laugh, and we all heard it, and maybe experience a little bit of it, but it's not in the book. So am I going to slang death, or am I going to slang life? What, what the Scripture says, come on, the word abiding in you, is great are the peace of my children, for they are taught by the Lord. So my confidence is that the Lord will teach my kids. Amen. And how many know the Bible says that the, that the fruit of the womb is blessed? How many old kids are a blessing from the Lord? Can't get an amen. So they are a blessing, man, and, and, and they ultimately are. And so, so, I mean, we want to say what God has said. How many know I don't want to sacrifice results for a good joke? Although I have many times in the past. Because I love to laugh. And still love to laugh. But how I many know we need to be careful that we're agreeing with what God says about our kids, about our nation, about our bodies, about our finances, about our lives. The Word of God abides in you and you are strong and have overcome the wicked one. You know, when I got a hold of grace, I, I, I let go of some of these truths and you know what happened? It brought, it brought some weakness into my life. Because I lost sight of how powerful 
Scripture was. Because all it's legalistic to read the Bible, all it's legalistic to go to church, all it's legalistic to give, it's legalistic to witness, it's legalistic, it's legalistic. And there's a season of coming out of all that junk where you're just like, God, I'm going to sit down and we're going to see if you love me or not. And I think that's an important season. But how many know that you can look at like, oh, it's legalistic to eat, eat, you don't need to eat, it's legalistic. How many know if you don't eat, you're going to die? And how many know if you don't spend time with the Lord, you will feel like you are dying in the world we live in? Because this place is crazy. You need oxygen. You need life. And he's, His name is Jesus. And, he, and the Scriptures are alive and they're powerful. And they'll help you, man. And so don't allow legalism to rob you of one more thing. Which is the reality of letting the Word of God abide in you. In terms of the promises. Amen? It says, who contrary to hope, in hope believes, so that he might become the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So, one of the ways we stay connected to our source is through the promises that God's made to us. Amen? And uh, let's pick those promises up, man, and let's, let's, uh, let's have them. I don't know about you guys, but I need help in this life. And there's no help greater than the help that the Lord has. Amen? So, I just, I want to I pray over us here as we are thinking about this. Lord, I just, I thank you that you help us to not allow the abuses of the past to determine the trajectory of our future. And you help us to embrace your words, Lord, so that they would bring strength to us and to our families, to be light to our path, a sword in our hands, comfort to our hearts. We thank you for it. Lord, you, you went through so much to give us the Bible, to give us Scripture. Lord, I thank you that we, we make a decision to fill our hearts with the things that give us life, and that you'd help everybody here individually to come to that place. Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.